0: From the steam-powered automobiles in the 18th century to today, the car has come a long way and now it has a firm place in our daily lives. Today, its role is not limited to a means of transportation, rather it is part of our extended identity. But what technological advancements have made the car what it is today and what does the road ahead hold? The automobile is at a convergence of all the latest technologies as vehicles continue to evolve as a smarter, more connected product. The development and creation of these automotive systems is a challenging one, driven by both technology and societal expectations. Join us for Paving the Way to the Car of the Future, a six-episode podcast together with Texas Instruments a leader in design and manufacturing of semiconductors, as we take a look under the car's hood. Welcome to the Texas Instruments and Electronic Design podcast on empowering the next wave of vehicle electrification. The automobile has revolutionized the world, providing faster access to jobs, education, and healthcare, changing our perception of distance, making us more mobile and dynamic, and bringing us a higher standard of living. Vehicle electrification is at the core of today's automotive revolution, in much the same way quartz watches challenges mechanical pieces. The migration of vehicles away from fossil fuels is also an evolution towards more intelligent and connected vehicle systems. This podcast will explore challenges of vehicle electrification and how semiconductors enable automakers to optimize performance, accelerate development, and make electric vehicles more affordable for more people. Today's guest is Mark Eng. He's General Manager for EV Powertrains at Texas Instruments. And I'm Alex Paul, Editor-at-Large for Electronic Design. So hi, Mark. I'm glad to have you here. I really wanted to get into this because uh, vehicle electrification is very hot.
1: Hey Alex, nice to be here. Um, pleasure to, you know, talk to you about EVs, which is my passion.
0: Well, you know, it is both a challenge in uh, the way they're driven fuels and the way they're controlled, driving systems, human-machine interface, and all of that other. Now, what is your uh, position at Texas Instruments, you know, beyond your title? What, do you, what does that actually entail?
1: Sure. So officially, I'm the general manager of electrification in TI, which I'm responsible for hybrid and electric vehicle powertrain systems. And um, in technical talk there, you know, powertrain is comprised of, let's say, the onboard charger, which is, you know, everybody's familiar with these cables that plug into the car. And that's what takes the, you know, charging from the, the power from the grid and, and powers the batteries. So that's the onboard charger, what we call the OBC There is the battery management system, which is where you store your power and deliver energy to the traction inverter, which is what actually provides power to the wheels. Um, And then you've got the DC to DC converter, which is converting all this high voltage to uh, lower voltage for things like the the, ADAS circuitry or infotainment systems and all. So essentially in powertrain, we're talking about four main subsystems, which I'm responsible for, the onboard charger, the BMS system, the DC to DC converter and the traction inverter. Um, so, you know, I, it's an interesting role because I get to work with worldwide OEMs. Um, so, you know, I tell my kids that I'm working with, you know, so-and-so and, and they're like, oh, really? And, you know, I, I was at their school and, um, you know, I was a, be a teacher for the day and, and all the kids thought I was God because I, I mentioned all the cars that they, you know, they're working, they're playing with day to day. Um but you know really I'm working at the forefront of you know let's say model year twenty five and beyond and so it's exciting because I'm actually able to see the technology that's going to be here in only a few years um and so yeah that's
0: that's kind of my job
1: um I used to be in um another fun fact is I used to to work in in you know I've been in the industry for twenty five years and um I've done more obscure things in my past. So I've, I used to work on like communications equipment, right? So, you know, the, we have all these cell towers that are around this, and you have like these re- radio units and base stations and all that stuff, right? And I used to always tell my mom or my parents or, or my friends, I'd be like, oh, yeah, I do these, you know, um, power for like base stations and stuff. And they're like, wait, what? And interestingly, in, you know, the world right now for the automotive world, a lot of us have actually moved from that communications world over to doing you know automotive because it's really the same thing and the fun part is it's a lot more tangible now so you know we're kind of at this innovation curve where we've just really started you know when i started the industry in the late 90s um communications was a thing right you had the dot com era you had all that stuff and to me it's like automotive is just we're just getting started on that curve and but we're really doing the same things um just with more advanced technologies and Face to the same challenges, except with a more tangible thing, which you and I know well about, which is driving a car. So that's what I do.
0: Very cool, Mark. Well, you know, you, you alluded to it very well in that the car, well, all vehicles are literally at the nexus of every developing technology currently being explored because the car is also at the focus of our society. So, I mean, you were from powertrains and wide band gap, semiconductors to infotainment and vehicle to everything. And, um, all of those other aspects, the car is so much more now than it used to be. I mean, it's all it used to be. Plus,
1: Yeah. And, you know, that's, it's, it's way more than what it used to be. And, you know, if you look at, you know, the 80s, when I was in high school, um, you know, it's just a mode of transportation, but, you know, we're really talking about, and I think Fern alluded to this, right, it's kind of like the, a a way that you represent yourself, and, you know, you, you, you choose a style, and it it represents who you are, Um, cars will, you know, in addition to choosing the body style and all that stuff, you know, you can choose whether you're going to be able to power your home eventually or, you know, how you're going to be able to connect to the cloud one day um, and, and manage your car over the the Internet and so on. Right. Um, you can choose how green you want to be, what type of chemistries you want to have in your batteries and stuff. Um, so really, it's it's about expressing who you are as an individual. So that's what's exciting.
0: Well, you know, the other aspect of that as well, when you think about it, Mark, is I understand you uh, bought a car, electric car several years ago. And even in that short period of time, the market has migrated and evolved. So there are a lot of different concerns. There are still concerns. There were different concerns back in those days, but now there are new concerns when it comes to consumers buying electric cars. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, so actually I thought about about this, um, you know, earlier today, it's, you know, I, I actually, my journey with electric actually dates more than a few years back because um, my, um, my first kind of foray into electric was a hybrid vehicle, you know, the number one hybrid vehicle of all time made by a Japanese OEM, right? So I, I drove that. Um, and I, I remember I bought that car in 09, uh, 2009. So actually my journey goes back to like 14, 15 years ago. Um, and the world has really, really changed, right? I mean, you look at the hybrid. I used to remember, you know, my most, the geeky thing I'd like to do is kind of press that EV mode button, right? I was like, how how far can I last on, on an EV button, right? So, you know, you're going up hills and it, it, you'd hear the engine cut off and you'd force the car to be in electric only mode. And it probably worked for what? I don't know, maybe 10 miles or so. And i try to drive as slow as I could so that I wouldn't actually, you know, burn all the batteries. If you think about it, like we've come a huge long way. I bought my first electric car, um, full electric in 2017. Um, I'm actually on my second one now, um, but because I liked it that much. But you know, we're talking about you know being able to drive more than 10 miles on, on full electric now, right? Um, I don't ever have to visit a gas station, but the challenges are are many. Um, you know, I I meant, I hinted at it, right? It's basically do I have enough range in my vehicle now? And 10 miles was kind of too little, but now, you know, I can get, I'm in kilometers because I I live in Hong Kong. Um, But, you know, I can get probably, what, 300 kilometers per charge. I don't know what that is in miles anymore. But, you know, if you're in US and you're doing a road trip, um, you know, that may not be enough. And you can have not only range anxiety, but also charging anxiety, right? Is the charger that I'm going to be at, that I'm arriving at, is that going to work when I get there? Or is it going to be, you know, fully, fully utilized such that I'm not going to be able to see my mom in time, right? Um, you know, charging times are an issue. Um, you know, I, I can charge my car in my own um, parking stall overnight, but of course, we've got to be able to charge faster and faster. Um, I've always said that if electric vehicles actually one day hit the, you know, that that time where, you know, you and I, well, maybe you, but I don't fill up my gas my gas tank anymore. It probably took what, let's say, four minutes, five minutes to do, right? Um, you know, staking your credit card, pump gas, and then get out of there. If you can charge your car in less than five minutes, then we've really reached parity with regards to the experience of electric versus internal combustion engine. And so really charging times is a is an issue that's coming up now. Um, you know, the, the other really cool thing about electric is like when you just step on that, Pedal—it's not the gas, right? You step on that pedal. There's an instantaneous joy that you get because um, you know there's there's a lot of supercars in Hong Kong, right? There's Lamborghinis and Ferraris and whatnot, and you know it's kind of cool that you can actually you know keep up with them off the line. Um, but you've got to be able to do that consistently without having your battery meter go all the way down. Um, so kind of being able to accelerate freely without having to accelerate uh, to sacrifice range. Um, and there's two more problems, right? You have, let's say, safety. Safety was a big issue back in the past. I'd say that the IC technology that, that Texas Instruments is making is really trying to address, you know, fire and, and potential other types of hazards that can happen because you're really dealing with, like, battery cells that are, tox- are, are volatile um, and they have to be monitored. And that's exactly what we do. And then, lastly, there's the the price tag, right? So the the... Cost of an electric vehicle, you can see Elon Musk, for example, his mission is to make um, you know the, these cars more and more accessible to the public, right? So if I can make them charge faster, if I can make them the experience of driving electric the same as internal combustion engines, if I can make them the same price or better, um, if I can make them just as safe, I mean, we've got you know t- until twenty thirty, let's say, to do this, right? And that's when basically a lot of the manufacturers are going to go full electric.
0: Now, Mark. I mean, when you think about it, it's such a deep subject and we can go on even just in this aspect for quite a while, but in the interests of uh, keeping on track here, let's talk about some of the things that TI is doing at the semiconductor level, you know, at the board level to um, achieve these things, to perform these uh, goals. Let's start with the uh, battery management system. What can you tell me about what TI is doing to help the battery management system get to the next level?
1: Okay, um, so battery management systems—it's uh, it, actually a really simple concept. You're trying to store charge in a bunch of, you know, battery pack or battery modules, right? So I, I always talk to my kid, and I'm like, oh, you see this AA battery, right? This is gonna a, a ton of these AA batteries in the under underside of the car, um, and. You know, a double A battery is is only a couple of volts, but in a in a real electric vehicle, you're seeing uh, 400 volts, or even moving up to 800 volt systems, and so that is seriously high voltage that we are applying to the traction inverter. Um, so, along with that comes a lot of responsibility because you need to protect the driver, um, you need to protect everybody in in the vehicle. So, there is something called functional safety. And so the first and foremost thing that our chips provide or semiconductors provide is that type of like, um, you know, safety feature to be able to um, quickly monitor the voltage of the the cells, to monitor the current and to monitor the temperature so that we make sure that there's no runaway of these cells. You see, these cells are volatile, right? They kind of like to be in a certain range of temperature. They don't like to be stressed. They don't like to be overcharged or undercharged. If you do any of that stuff, if you're operating them out of condition, they're just going to basically heat up and it'll heat up the next element next to it and heat up the next one. And eventually you'll just get fire. Right. And, you know, all these recalls that we see in the past about, you know, fires or explosions, you know, that's kind of a thing of the past because, you know, these chips have gotten much better, but what our chips do at, at first and foremost is provide safety for battery management system. Um, and now the second thing we do is you might have heard about something called lithium iron phosphate or nickel manganese cobalt. Um, in the, in the world today, we're kind of searching for different types of lithium ion technologies. So, um, you know, there's kind of like anodes and cathodes, right? The minus and the plus area of a battery, and you can put different materials together to make the energy flow. But at the end of the day, we're talking about a bunch of different chemistries for, for batteries, um, different combinations of things. And. Um, each chemistry is going to be a little bit different. And how you monitor those, um, those those cells, you need to actually look at the voltages, right? As you're discharging the, the battery and each and every cell, it will discharge and, and it'll have a flat region and it'll it'll discharge pretty quickly. The analogy is kind of like your cell phone, right? Your cell phone has a percentage meter of its ba- of its battery that's left over. So nobody wants to see their phone Drop from 100% to 80%, and then it basically will drop from 80 to 30 in a matter of like let's say uh, an hour, as opposed to like six hours, right? So you've really got to monitor that voltage really accurately in order to give the customer or the driver an accurate representation of what we call state of charge. So the battery management system, in effect, is monitoring two things or providing two pieces of information that are critical to the driver: is one, the state of charge of the cells, and two, is the state of health of the cells. Um, those are essentially the two most important functions that a BMS does, and our chips are basically providing that type of information to the like to the main microcontroller of the system to determine and provide SLC and SOH to the driver.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, Mark, I also gather you had talked about that the cell balancing aspects and the other more advanced uh, management functionalities. Um, I don't want our audience to think, oh, just those two things. I mean, there are a lot of other functionalities that that uh, provides in addition to those two primary things, right?
1: Right, there's a lot of uh, a lot of other intricacies if you want to really get into it, right? Um, let's say that you, remember I mentioned the I, vehicle will have like 800 volts and that might mean you have up to, you know, let's say on average 200 cells. Um, And if you have 200 cells, right, roughly four volts a piece, let's just, you know, for, for easy math, um, each of those cells is going to discharge at a different rate. And so maybe one cell will be at you know 4.00 and the next cell might be at like 3.995 and the other one might be like 3.90 and, and so on. So interesting fact about lithium ion, right? If you actually um, overcharge them, what happens? They'll blow up, right? Um, so that we, we've got to prevent that. And if you actually, under, if you discharge it too far, if you discharge one cell too far, you basically, um, you know, you render the entire pack useless because one cell by itself uh, is, is basically going to, if you don't balance one cell, and I'll get to what balancing is, if one cell goes under, volt, uh, under the threshold, you can't use the entire pack. And so what balancing does is basically transfers energy from one cell to another to make sure that you have all of the cells balanced at one voltage, that the, all the cells, all 200 cells are going up and down at the same rate. And so that way you're not overcharging one and blowing up or you're not undercharging one and risking the entire pack. There's other things in there uh, uh, that the BMS does. Um, for example, you know, making sure that the connection to the other subsystems, like what we'll talk about later, the onboard charger or the inverter, that we have a, a connection. So there's kind of like interlock circuits that we have there. Um, there's what we call high voltage disconnect systems. So, uh, and TI works on those technologies as well, right? So we've got like um, contactors that basically disconnect the battery from the, from the engine, um, so not on the end, but from the inverter, when the car is disconnected or when there's a, a hazard condition, let's say you've crashed. Um, there's kind of like this kind of safety condition, which you have to, um, uh, take care of. And that's kind of like high voltage disconnect. So that, there's a lot of different functions and not to mention wireless BMS, right? So wireless BMS is kind of like another function where we, you know, you have so many cables that are running through a, a battery pack. And, um wireless technology basically aims to you know remove those you know what we call low voltage cables and actually give more room so so that the cells can communicate to or the the battery monitors can communicate with the main micro. So there's a lot of functionality in addition to just voltage monitoring and, and current monitoring.
0: Well, then also there are cascading benefits, Mark, right? Because with that wireless uh, cell balancing number one, it reduces the weight of the cable, as you were uh, alluding to, but also in the case of a crash, it allows the cells to continue to communicate with themselves with each other without fear of any of those communication cables being severed.
1: Yeah, so wireless BMS adds a a bunch of benefits. You're right. So if there's a you know one pack that's rendered useless, right, you still have the you still have you know in a in a wired configuration, you have multiple modules or a bunch of cells that are connected to each other, kind of like in a you know a daisy chain, right, um, or a serial manner. Um, In a wireless protocol, what you're referring to is basically you have modules that are all communicating in parallel to the master. Um, So there's kind of like a, you know, mesh type of communication. And yeah, that's right. So when you have that type of communication, you have the ability to maybe swap modules uh, without having to replace the entire pack. Um, You can actually, you know, have greater safety, as you mentioned. you can also manufacture your, your vehicle much easier because you don't need to have humans actually trying to connect cables um, when they're assembling the pack, right? You don't have to connect each and every module together. Uh, so there's there's just a lot of things that wireless technology brings. And I kind of compare that to, like, you know, the, the dot-com era when we were just getting started with Wi-Fi, right? Think about all the freedom that was given once we we went to wireless, um, wireless Ethernet, for example. So
0: exactly exactly mark well then let's let's move along the chain a bit towards the uh, traction inverter which which you were alluding to already
1: um yep yeah. so the traction inverter is interestingly um this small little you know it's not small it, it's it's a it's a little you know box that uh is essentially taking the battery voltage let's say 400 volts or 800 volt, and basically applying that to the um the wheels, right, or the the motor. Um, and so, you know, traction inverters essentially are, it, it's a really simple system where there's an MCU, um, there's a, a simple gate driver to, to drive the silicon carbide MOSFET. As you mentioned, there's kind of wide band gap material that we have now, or you could drive some IGBT um, switches. Um, and you need to drive those switches really efficiently in a three-phase manner to provide like a three-phase AC waveform um, to, to the motor. Um, and that's basically all you're doing. You have basically some kind of feedback with regards to like position sensing. Um, you read the kind of the position of the motor and, and so on. And basically you have rotational and speed data. And then from there, you just keep doing power conversion, right? You're trying to um, make sure that the you're using the battery voltage as efficiently as possible and providing as max power to the wheels uh, as you can, as efficiently as possible.
0: Well, you know, Mark, but that also... Uh, ties into things like traction control and uh, the braking systems and all of that other. So this, so it would have to be flexible and resilient as well for that, right?
1: Correct. So you need to basically be able to apply power to the wheels, and you also need to do you know regenerative braking and all that stuff too, right? So that's kind of what the the traction
0: system is is doing. Um, so, and where are some of the places that TI is putting injecting value into that part of the chain? Um,
1: for traction inverter, you know, it's a it's an interesting point. So I mentioned you have the MCU, you have the gate driver, you have the you know silicon carbide MOSFETs, um, you have uh, position sensing. Short of the um, silicon carbide or IGBTs, you know, TI doesn't um, develop those uh, technologies because there's a lot of vendors that are doing that. But we have basically the MCU, we have the gate drivers, we have the bias supplies, we have the position sensors. Um, you know, isolators and, you know, uh, communication transceivers and, and so on. So um, TI is, a, you know, a major player in not only BMS, but also in traction inverter. Um, so, yeah, we we basically have every major silicon component uh, short of the the switches.
0: And you also offer a lot of support to your customers to help them integrate your solutions into theirs, correct?
1: We do. So Texas Instruments is... I'd say famous for these reference designs that we make. Um, so if you go to ti.com, um, you look up, you know, for example, TIDM or TIDA XXX. Um, these are basically full-blown reference designs where we provide hardware as well as software. Um, and I've been pretty impressed because some of the work that we've done, um, you can actually, you know, find YouTubers that are actually referencing, hey, the good folks at TI have done an article on this, right? So. Um, You know, TI has done a lot of work in terms of, you know, quick starting our customers and providing them kind of like a baseline of how to use all of the silicon that we provide in a full system.
0: Got it. Got it. Well, you know, um, we were talking earlier about uh, range anxiety and charging anxiety and the like, but there are some people who are very comfortable with charging overnight in their basement with the onboard charger if the onboard charger is up to snuff, right? You would mention onboard charging earlier. That's that's also very important, isn't it? Um, so, right. So, onboard charging is incredibly important. I think um, there there's two
1: camps of people, and actually, I sit on both camps. Um, I have the luxury of charging overnight, so I don't necessarily care about charging quickly um, because, remember, I have a charger at home, um, and so it it you know it's. It's single phase um I have to take what like 10 hours to charge it to get you know 300 kilometers but I don't care um because you know I get home I get home pretty early I get home by like 9 p.m um and I basically you know I just, actually my wife uses the car um, but they don't go out until let's say 7 a.m or so um but also, I live in a small area right so um I, I there's no chance that I would be, even be using all 300 kilometers of range. Um, And by the way, I go back to that same example, okay, the car says there's 300 kilometers of range. But is there really 300 kilometers? No, because it it depends on how accurately you're monitoring that. And that's what we're talking about state of charge and all that stuff, right? So can you actually give the driver that actual mileage that you're indicating? But um, yes, I don't care about um, charging times, but there are other people that really care. Um, Like, for example, if you don't have access to chargers at home Uh, so i live in a um, apartment complex right and so there's only going to be a finite amount of power that can be delivered through let's say 300 parking stalls you can't have all 300 parking stalls have a charger on them so not everybody's going to have a luxury of having you know their own garage or you know their own stall with a charger on it and so in that case um you really need to have like a quick charge right and so um you know you can see last few weeks there's actually been some announcements where um Elon Musk's charging network um, is going to be made available to the rest of the you know other manufacturers and that's going to be a huge uh incentive to you know go electric now right because that solves one big challenge which is hey I don't have access to a charger in my garage or my parking stall and I you know, there's not a big network. Well, now, you know, the industry is trying to address that, right, to be able to provide multiple charging sources. Um, you know, if you want to charge slow, go ahead and charge it at home. If you want to charge quick, then you know, we've got a huge network of interconnected, you know, vendors that can uh, work t- together.
0: Exactly, Mark. But, and, but then again, that also stresses the need to make sure that that onboard charger is as small, light, and efficient as possible, right? Where, was, where does TI help the uh, engineer achieve those things?
1: So, that is um, what I referred to in, in, in my earlier life, you know, communications equipment. Um, if you think about like 5G and 4G, um, you know, it was all about trying to dissipate as much heat as possible while you're transmitting the, the, in the radio and all that, and all that stuff, right? So, you, you've you got to deliver uh, maximal power to these, you know, MCUs and everything that were driving these power amplifiers, Um In an electric vehicle, it's really no different. I need to be able to deliver maximum power. When I first started in electric um, in this role, it was about five years ago, the chargers were, let's say, like six kilowatt. Um, Now we're looking at, you know, 11 kilowatt, 22 kilowatt types of OBCs. And so when you're dealing with that power range, um, you really have to be at, you know, 99% efficiency because of the heat that you're simply generating. Um, And so you... You really need to be as efficient as possible, but you really need to be small. So, of course, you can solve this efficiency problem by going as big as you want, right? But the whole goal is that you, you're you trying to make these systems smaller, lighter, um, and also more efficient. So, um, the only way to do that is to, you know, um, you, you do several things. You make your switch frequen- frequency higher. So, your, your magnetics are switching much faster now. Um, so, your transformers shrink, your magnetics all shrink. But the problem is you're you've got like a tremendous power loss now because you're switching so quickly. So you can do things like um, work on wide band gap materials. So TI is working on gallium nitride types of switches, and that's what's becoming really, really um, hot in terms of OBCs and DC to DCs, right? So you can um, switch it faster, um, you know, become more efficient and also you know become smaller. Uh so, so TI is working on um, wide band gap, gallium nitride. We're also working on state of the art. MCUs, so you can think about our C2000 microcontroller, which I don't know, when you when we're all in college, uh, we know the C2000 family, right? Um, but C2000 is renowned for um, being able to do this type of what we call digital power um, to, you know, digitally, you know, get the feedback data and to control these different types of topologies, whether you have like three-phase totem pole topologies or like interleaf topologies or, you know, um, you know, flying capacitor type capabilities, you know, the T2000 can do it all. Um, so that's kind of what TI is working on is the control, as well as on the switch technology for on-bar chargers.
0: Got it. Got it. Well, you know, that has been really interesting, Mark, talking with you about all of this, because as you know, we were saying the car is at the focus of not only all these technologies, but also all of our attention. But before I let you go, do you have any final thoughts that I uh, you'd like to leave with the audience? Hmm.
1: I think as i mentioned you know i'm i'm excited right as we move yeah i i call it the march toward 2030 right i think that as we move toward 2030 we're going to see a lot of really cool things um i think that you know there's going to be a a essentially a a standardization of different um technologies that we see for example let's say wireless bms right we have our own proprietary protocol but you, know, you can see as in any kind of industry, you see kind of this consolidation, kind of this mature um you know state where people start you know realizing, hey, it doesn't make sense for us to go different ways and we want to you know better society. So um I think we're gonna see standards that are gonna you know be better for the consumer. Um you're gonna be you know more and more green. Um I think you're gonna see more and more vehicles honestly connected to the cloud. Um, so you know, like a you know, you'll Today, I can see my wife and and I check where she is on the app, but I think, you know, if you look at, you know, rental companies or if you're trying to do, um, you know, fleet management, you'll be able to look at what is the state of all these battery packs that are all on the road. Um, We're just going to have a lot more analytics. Um, You know, I think we're going to be more and more efficient. Um, We talked about the traction inverter. I think, you know, it's, it's when we think about applying max power to the road. I think we're we're there already, but I think in terms of like city driving and how do we maximize that, I think it's going to be, there's a huge journey that we're going to be able to uh, you know increase efficiency there. And I think cost is just going to come down because we're continuing to innovate not only in TI, but the rest of the industry to, to bring these vehicles
0: costs down. A lot of future in front of us, isn't there? Yes, there is. <laughs> Thanks, Mark. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with us today about all of this. Thank you very much. And I'd like to remind everybody out there to uh, check out the other podcasts in the series where we have other TI subject experts talk about the various subsystems involved in vehicle electrification. So thanks a lot and take care, have a great day.